Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome to episode 299 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you from rural Texas. And I am joined this evening by Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. That is some dedication to the podcast, my friend. Recording uh, in Texas and and, uh, just a lot of craziness to talk about over the last 24 hours across baseball. It was an outstanding trade deadline. And of course, the Braves were very busy and very active. So hope you're doing well, Brad. And uh, yeah, we got some baseball to talk about. Yeah, we do. Obviously, we're recording Friday night because the deadline, uh, the trade deadline, was actually earlier today. And full disclosure, we're actually recording during the ninth inning of Braves Brewers. Uh, Shane Grange gave up a home run in the top of the ninth. It's nine to five Brewers. Uh, so I'm not saying it's it's for sure going to be a loss for the Braves, but it looks like it's going to be a loss for Orlando. If something changes, we'll come back to that at the end of the podcast. But Plenty to talk about that is not game-related, so we'll start with all of the trades. And, you know, pretty crazy overall deadline, but even for the Braves, you know, they made four moves in the last 24 hours. Um, None of them would be described as blockbuster. I think the closest one to something like that would be maybe the Richard Rodriguez trade. Um, But all of these are, like, very solid supporting moves. And uh, you and I talked a week ago almost now and basically talked about what we kind of thought about the deadline and, kind of came to a consensus that we didn't want to go, you know, push a bunch of chips in the middle for the Braves, but they kind of did the best case scenario, unless you were just someone who was screaming about how they had to sell, unless unless that was your position. This is kind of the best case scenario because they, they definitely got better in the last 24 hours, and they did it without giving up really much of anything. I mean, I checked in with our prospect guys on Talking Chop, before we started recording today, and the consensus is kind of like, yeah, a couple interesting-ish guys, but like they really didn't give up much at all to bring in the haul that they did in the last you know day or so. No, they really didn't. I mean, if 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 you take a step back and look, this team is certainly better than it was 24 hours ago. They certainly needed depth after losing Acuna and presumably no Ozuna for the rest of the year, and I, I don't think anyone expected them to add three outfielders. Um, though we'll, we'll dig into one of those who I think might've just been more of a procedural thing than anything, but, um, you know, yeah, you, you had three quality big league outfielders. None of them are superstars by any means, but it had some depth, all of them. Um, uh, you know, you had some power with, with Adam Duvall and, um, and Jorge Soler, who, uh, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about. I've always been a fan of his. I always thought he had a, another level to his game that he really hasn't been able to, consistently hit and then with Richard Rodriguez you're talking about a guy who has uh, kind of flown under the radar a little bit being in Pittsburgh on some terrible teams but again because you there was no prospect really given up in any of these trades and you had a couple of guys who were probably going to be crunched off the 40-man roster here pretty soon regardless uh, the team is better and I think it keeps them competitive without without mortgaging a future for a year where just so many things have gone wrong. Um, I, I think it's a way to stay stay competitive and, and maybe chase down the Mets or the Phillies here uh, without giving up too much. Yeah, that's well said. And I think that we've kind of stressed, and I know I have, that the roster that has been available to the Braves uh, the last couple of weeks and maybe even as long as Ronnie's been out, basically, is not exactly a roster that was blowing anybody away. And that probably still is true. But if you look at it, and I think you tweeted this earlier even, if you look at the roster now, um, the lineup anyway, and with the way that they've been pitching in the starting rotation recently, it doesn't look 
bad. Uh, it doesn't look like overwhelming. It's not the Dodgers lineup, or it's not you know whichever pick uh, massive contender lineup that you want to say. But they have a couple stars in Freddie and Ozzy, and they can build some reasonable lineups around them. The the depth is just so much more impressive. And um, all due respect mm-hmm. to like Almonte and Heredia and Adrianza, but those guys were just trying to get you to a place where they are now. Where yeah, no one's going to be you know writing writing to their uh, grandchildren about Adam Duvall. But they have guys who now have had <laughs> bigger roles, and they're probably just better, yeah. high, you know, in terms of like you know projection kind of players. So, I, I do want to start with Rodriguez because I think that's probably the biggest name in terms of going out and coming in because the only prospect that really is a, you know high name ID that is leaving the Braves is Bryce Wilson. Um, you know, I, we talked about Bryce a lot on the show. He's had some highs, he's had some lows. Um, a former, you know, pretty good prospect. Uh, sort of, you know, gra- gra- I would say almost graduating out of that at this point in time, but not, 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 it's not, not a huge giveaway in this instance. Like, but Wilson's someone yeah. who's talented enough that could make you look silly, at least on some level. And then Ricky DeVito also heading out for Rodriguez. We'll dive into that as well. But do you have any, you know, hesitation parting with Bryce Wilson? Are you still a believer, or is that someone that you just kind of have to throw it in and see what happens? We will always have game four of the NLCS <laughs> yeah. when he outdueled Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, he, he, he was about, so good. He was so good that night, man. It was it was ridiculous. That was, I mean, and it was nothing fancy. He was just pumping fastballs, and and the Dodgers could not touch him. It was uh, just a great night. And I guess if that's his one shining moment with his time with the Braves, then hey, you you can do worse. I think honestly, if if you're Bryce, he's probably pretty excited about the move. Obviously, going to a Pittsburgh team, that's not great. But I think at this point, because of his age and he's been around for a little while, I think Bryce probably is is ready to pitch every fifth day in the majors, even if it isn't at a super high level. I, I think for a long time now, we have thought his ceiling is that of a, a fifth starter, maybe a fourth starter in his best year. And it's never a bad thing to go to a different organization. Maybe he learns a little something. Of course, what's held him back was the lack of secondary pitches Maybe he's able to unlock something in a different uh, a different organization, different city. But no, I mean, I, I think Bryce was probably going to get crunched on the 40-man roster here pretty soon. Um, and, and, you know, and then Ricky DeVito, the prospect guys, could talk about him a little bit more. But um, I, I don't think it's a, a drastic loss by any means. Yeah, I agree. Um, as for Rodriguez... Not not a massive name um, in terms of just you know casual fans, but has been good for a while. You know, four seasons with the last four years with the Pirates, a sub three ERA with some really um, prime usage. A uh, good good control guy recently, a sub two per nine walk rate the last two seasons. There are some sticky stuff rumors about Rodriguez, and his spin rate has declined since that all came out. Not alone in that, obviously, the Rays have some guys <laughs> that have had that problem in the last couple of weeks, but. Um, with that, by the way, his performance has dipped a little bit. Granted, he got off to a unsustainably hot start. Like his ERA was in the sub one range for like the first like two months of the season. He was out of his mind, so he's cooled off as well. So it could have been that, could have been the spin rate stuff. But his ERA is like five plus in the last two months or so. I'm not sure. I believe that he's just now bad either. But there is a debate I saw already um, that I think found its way to you. On Twitter about how good he about how good he actually is. I, I will just say this before I hand it over to you. Yeah, he's definitely helping the bullpen. No one's saying otherwise. I just yes. there is there is a real debate about like how good he is. But yeah. make no mistake, he's better than what Shane Green's been. He's better than what some of those other guys have been. So at this price, if you figure that he's just like the guy he's been the last four years, which is a good, not great reliever, like a good reliever helps this team considerably. Yeah, I, I know people saw that, I mean, he was serving as the Pirates' closer, and he, on the surface, he does. He has some really strong numbers, and I think you you nailed it when you he's going to help this bullpen. There is no doubt about that. Whether he takes the place of Shane Green or Sean Newcomb, who had a bad night tonight uh, against, uh, oh, against Brewers. Oh, Sean. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know the running joke is that Sean will be pitching with the Braves until 2040 at this point, but at some point... I think they maybe have to cut their losses there. But regardless of who Rodriguez replaces, there, there's stuff to like. He, he throws strikes, which is obviously of, of the utmost importance. He has done a really good job of keeping the ball in the ballpark, even in this time of, of home runs left and right. Um, he has a, a one might call it unsustainable, but a very low home run rate, which is great. I was uh, We were talking with Ivan, uh, Ivan the Great, 
who does great work for uh, the site at Talking Chop. And he said one interesting thing about Rodriguez, about why he gets such soft contact. And I remember when the Braves faced the Pirates a couple months ago, they saw Rodriguez and they couldn't do anything against his fastball. And he's pumping 92 mile an hour fastballs and nobody could hit it. And it's like, I, I remember thinking, why can't they hit this guy? Uh, his fastball doesn't have much vertical rise, which is, uh, you know, what a lot of pitchers have. It, it moves more horizontally. And it's just something that hitters don't see a lot of in today's uh, in today's game. And, and it causes a lot of weak contact. And it almost kind of startles hitters, I guess, because they just aren't used to seeing a ball move that way. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think, again, because you're not giving up any prospect of note here, uh, it, it's a worthwhile move. And if it can add some depth to the bullpen for whatever role he's going to serve in the seventh or eighth inning, uh, it's worth doing. I just think it's it's important to know that there's a possibility because of that, the rumors of the sticky stuff and the, the drop in spin rates, that there could be a little bit of a, of a downside here. Yeah, I don't think it's going to get too ugly. And it's also... Interesting because he's, I believe, I believe he's 31 years old and he still has team control for two more seasons beyond this year. So it's one of those like Johnny Venter situations where guys in their 30s and still have never hit arbitration and they're just going to be around forever. So that adds real value. I mean, obviously with the reliever market, things could change quickly. We've seen that with Shane Green recently. Like Shane Green was good for a while and now he's just suddenly not anymore. So relievers are volatile, but that could really bring some extra value to this trade. And if he is good and or at least solid, then keep him around for a reasonable cost. And that team control can be quite valuable. So I know people are already asking about like, is he going to be the closer? Or is Will Smith going to be the closer? And I don't really care. I think our track record on this podcast is basically we don't really care about that. Just adding more quality arms to the mix is really what matters to me. Uh, I didn't see any comments about that. Maybe I thought was addressed and I, and I just missed it. But I would just say we'll see. You know, Will Smith going to the eighth inning wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they feel like Rodriguez would be good in the ninth. But I think you just use your best guys when you can use them. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it never hurts to have a guy who can throw strikes and whether regardless of what inning he's doing. Um, I think he's a valuable addition, and we'll see. Of course, Luke Jackson has been so good this year. But really, he has been the only truly consistent right-handed arm in the bullpen. Uh, Chris Martin has been really good. He's also been really bad. Uh, you, you look around, Edgar Santana has been a little better in recent weeks. Uh, but again, he's not someone who's generally throwing close games in the eighth and ninth innings. So again, I, I think it's a worthwhile move and, and hopefully he's able to uh, continue because as you said, four seasons with a sub three ERA is nothing to laugh about. And uh, what a world we live in where Luke Jackson has been the rock of the bullpen this season. Uh, Elite. I, re I remember numerous times in the last two to three years where people wanted Luke Jackson uh, out on the rail, and now he is uh, somehow the, the ace of the bullpen <laughs> this season. So We love Luke. That You're is a reminder of how crazy bullpens are, and like building yes. bullpens is so difficult because of just the volatility there. But hopefully, knock on wood, Rodriguez, we want to keep it going, what he's had in Pittsburgh. And um, even if he's not incredibly awesome, I think uh, they could just add another quality arm, and that will help them. Um, before we get to the outfield additions, and as you referenced earlier, there are somehow three outfielders coming at the same time to this team. A word from, <laughs> a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Scott, uh, 
let us dive into the three outfielders. Um, let's go with the sexier name first, and that's Jorge Soler. So he's coming from Kansas City uh, in a trade for Casey Kalich, I believe is the way you say his name. A prospect that has a little bit of uh, pop to him, but nothing, nothing out of the ordinary there. Um, Soler's profile, I know you said you like him earlier. I can see why. It's a really, really interesting profile. Like the power is kind of undeniable. Everyone agrees on that. But he's 29 years old. He's been injured a bunch, a bunch of like half seasons. Uh, and also, if you look at his profile, he had a 48 home run season two years ago. He had 48 home runs in 2019. Yeah. Like guys mm-hmm. who do that do not usually get traded for a single A, double A kind of prospect. It's a very <laughs> strange profile. But in addition to that one awesome season that he had at the plate um, with the power two years ago, his second highest home run total for a full season is this year, and it's 13. Like, that's insane. I mean, a guy that hits 48 home runs that's been in the league now for five, six years to never have it put together, and really it's because of injury um, for the most part, but he's also been inconsistent as well. So I don't know what they're getting in in Solaire, even to the point where recently he's been awesome the last, like, two weeks. He's got six home runs in, like, like, ten games, but he was dreadful before that. So, like, I have no – I truly have no idea what they're getting here, (laughs) but there at least uh, is some upside. We've seen the upside, and it's 48 home runs in one season. (laughs) Yeah, he is is a very difficult player to project. Uh, He, of course, came over from Cuba, signed with the Cubs seven or eight years ago now, and he always flashed the potential. But as you said, there always just seemed to be something that that stopped him. And, hey, we saw in 2019 he played 162 games, 48 home runs, had 136 WRC+. He was one of the better hitters in the entire league. But then he followed that up with the Royals with another injury-mired season. Um, you know, last year he was okay. He appeared in 43 games in the shortened year. He had a 108 WRC+, which is okay, he's not very good defensively. But then this year, to begin the season, he's been quite bad. Um, some of that is defense-driven. Um, but as as you said, the last couple weeks, he's been red hot. Uh, his batted ball profile is interesting. He hits the ball very, very hard. And hey, as you said, there's only so many people on the planet who can hit 48 home runs in a, in a baseball season. Um, it's a worthwhile lottery ticket. It's two months worth. So maybe he turns into something, but at the end of the day, I think it's more of just a really a two month tryout and, and see what you got. Yeah. I, I think that's what this amounts to because of the price tag. You can afford to take a shot on this. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And the last two seasons, granted that's a half season last year or less. And then this year's half season, it's a, it's been a sub 700 OPS. Like if he's the guy he's been the last, you know, 15 months, you don't want any part of this, really. But if he's the guy he was in 2019, you obviously do. And the injuries have been weird. In fact, you said he played every game in 2019. He's never played more than 101 games in any other season. So he had one perfect year where he just never got <laughs> he never got hurt and played every single day for the entire season. Wow. Yeah, that's and a good point. Ever since then, he just and even before that, he just hasn't been able to put it together. So I don't know what's going on with the injury stuff. Uh, he does have a nice walk rate, like a 10.5% walk rate for his career. So he's at least um, a patient guy at the plate. But a low batting average guy, I don't really care about that. There's a way for him to produce value, and it's really with his power. He has like a 460 career slugging percentage. Like this guy clearly has pop. It's just what else do you get out of that? Um, And what the role is, because you figure that he'll be your best bench bat potentially from the right side, and maybe you platoon him a little bit. That's the thing about this current construction of the outfield is that you bring in these three guys, and we'll get to to Duvall and, and Rosario in a second. And you also have, um, you know, the incumbents, some of which have done a good job. You know, Jock Peterson is a big, at least a pretty big name and has had some moments with the Braves so far. So they now have, you know, six guys basically in the outfield they can mess with. (laughs) Um, But Solaire, it's, you know, he has some weaknesses and some strengths and it's just a, it's just an upside bet and kind of opposite of Adam Duvall. We know what Adam Duvall is. I mean, we'll get into him in a second, but we know what that looks like for the most part. Uh, it's boom yeah. bust on some level, but we know what to expect. Solera truly don't like. He could probably he, he could honestly hit 15 home runs in the next two months, and I wouldn't be stunned. He could also yeah. be awful, and I wouldn't be stunned. So I don't really know what to make of that. But I like the trade on its face because you gave up something. And again, we're not prospect experts, you and I. But I, I did talk to Eric and a couple other guys, and no one was particularly like you know heartbroken about Kalich. So I feel just fine about the trade. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Kalich's long-term outlook is maybe that of a late inning reliever. And he of course has a way to go to, to get there, but um, we'll, we'll see how Anthopolis and, and Snitker and the Braves use Soler. Uh, it would make sense to platoon him uh, in the outfield spot against left-handed pitching. Uh, it also will be interesting to see if, if they feel comfortable using Jock Peterson in center field, um, despite his early season strong play, Guillermo Heredia has, has not been great over the last month or two. Um, Abraham Almonte is, is kind of in the same boat, though he's been hitting a little bit more in the last 10 days, but ultimately it will be with all of these outfield additions, you suddenly have five or six guys on the roster who you could in theory play most days And depending on how they feel about Jock and his ability to play center where he originally played, though he has not played there much in recent years, if Soler is hitting the cover off the ball, I think they will find a way to get him into the lineup one way or the other. And if if it's just not working and it turns out to be a flash flash in the pan and, and he's back to struggling then you just keep him on the bench for the final six, eight weeks of the year. And, and you're not out anything crazy. Yeah. He'll be a free agent at the end of the season, by the way. Um, as far as Soler is concerned, one thing to me- mention, I know Anthopoulos talked about his um, sort of platoon options. He doesn't have a huge platoon split. Like he has a little bit of one. Uh, his career numbers are better against lefties than righties, which is not surprising, but it isn't some situation where he's like unplayable with right-handed pitching. I think his career OPS is like in the 770 range against righties. So he'd be like an average-ish hitter against right-handed pitching. Not, that's not great considering his defensive foibles, but he's not totally unplayable against righties either. So just keep that in mind. Uh, I'm sure they'll play against lefties, particularly because Peterson, who I think is going to play a lot, whether he should or not, is up for debate about his platoon splits, but um, he seems to be at the front of the line. But he has a platoon split, quite obviously, um, and a couple other guys maybe do as well. So I think you will definitely see Soler against lefties. I just don't know how much he's going to play against righties, but... Uh, Time will tell on that, I suppose. Uh, do you have any more thoughts on Solaire before we get to Adam Duvall? Because old friend's coming home with that. With <laughs> Adam Duvall, the uh, the Craig Mish special, which was... Uh, that was hysterical, and he owned about. it, by the way. Shouts to Craig Mish. He, he, <laughs> he absolutely did. fell on yes. the sword and was like making fun of himself. Because if you missed this, by the way, uh, if you're listening, he kind of almost defiantly said the Marlins would not be training with the Braves um, on, on Duvall or I mean, maybe on anything. Um, and then within like three days, they, they made the Adam Duval trade, and he made fun of himself. So that, that's the only way to do that. If you're gonna if you're gonna mess up like yeah. that, you got you got to own it. So shouts to Craig for uh, for yeah. doing that. But no, yeah, I mean, Craig's a, Craig is a good dude. I'm I'm just poking fun. Yeah, absolutely. He actually he 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 has the pulse of that team down very well. He breaks stuff regularly on the Marlins, and he's uh, he's good at his job. Um, regardless, though, uh, Adam Duval coming back. This was long rumored in some respects. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny now. And I would say that's the word I'll use for now is funny that they could have just tendered Adam Duvall uh, and they did not do that, which was a point of consternation along the way. Uh, and by the way, he has a mutual option for next year with a $3 million buyout. So you have to give him a little bit of money for next year, regardless, uh, even if you buy him out. But the deal is Duvall for Alex Jackson. And I actually find myself being a little bit higher on Alex Jackson than some. I think he kind of got a raw deal in that he never got a chance to like hit for more than like a week at a time. Um, he was yeah. dreadful though. I mean, that's, it's the two sides though. Like he, he just didn't show anything at the plate um, in the majors, but also is a good receiver. And, you know, I think he probably got a little bit of a bad rap, but if that's the price, I, I can't be too upset because, you know, as, as uneven as Duvall has been at times, he is a major league outfielder. And, uh, you know, I, sure. I, I trust him more than some of the guys that, that they already had on the roster. I think for Alex Jackson, it's it's time for him to get a more consistent chance to show he belongs at the, at the big league level. I'm sure for Ajax, man, that, that has to be frustrating because whenever he's been in the minor leagues the last year, two or three, he's hit really well. I mean, he's he's been on a tear in Gwinnett, and then he comes up to the majors and suddenly it's the invisible ball and he, he can't get anything. I mean, he has an 050 career batting average. Uh, at the big league level, you are only talking about 50 plate appearances for him, but yeah, it's I, tiny, I hope he is able but, to, oof. it is. And I hope that he's able to go. He's 25 years old. I hope that for his sake, he's able to go to Miami. I, I can't imagine he wouldn't be able to get a call up at some point here that, you know, Miami is not exactly loaded at the catcher position, uh, especially after their sell off here the last couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, I, the price for, for Adam Duvall there is is very minimal, and, and we know what Duvall can do. Uh, uh, just a source of power that he can strike quickly. We, we know how 
impactful he was last year in the middle of the order as a again he he really doesn't do much except for hit for power at this point in his career but he does that very well and and I was glad to see him come back yeah we talked about Duvall so much that I don't even want to go through the entire scouting report on him but this year has been a of just a very Adam Duvall season he's hit for power he has a 104 WRC plus coming into today uh, he has 22 home runs that's a lot of home runs for you know just a little bit over half a season but you know the batting average is 229. The OWP is 277. Like that's not good. But if you hit for that much power, you are playable. And ironically, he's just murdered the Braves this year uh, to the point where Anthopoulos like leaned into it today in his press conference, saying that part of the uh, appeal of Duvall was to have him not play against the Braves anymore. Which I think he's joking, but he's also not. Like Duvall's OPS is like is like 1200 against the against the Braves this year. So <laughs> uh, it's just a really weird overall scenario because they're obviously familiar with him they didn't bring him back when they could have uh he doesn't you know he's not going to be reliable and on the strength of you know he's not going to be in there going one for four every day he's going to have some highs and some lows but we've seen him get hot for a month or two and carry you for a little while he's capable of that and then defensively the numbers are really good in fact there was a discussion we were having offline today in the talking chop slack about this um, like his DRS is like elite this year. And I, I'm not sure I believe that. I think it's giving a little bit too much credit, but even if you don't believe that, like his defensive metrics are always above average. Like he's a good corner outfielder. Yeah. He's not maybe elite at that, but he doesn't kill you at all there. Like he, he's probably better than what you would expect him to be defensively. So if you just play him enough to where the power can pop, he has proven to be a, just a solid serviceable player. He's not great. Like you'd rather have him be your fourth outfielder, I would say overall, but I still think that Duvall can bring you some stuff that the guys that you didn't that you are, had on the roster before this couldn't bring. And it sounds like we're we're repeating ourselves, and we'll probably do it one more time on this podcast. The price is just what it is, and you you got you got to do it for the price. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you look at these three outfielders who Atlanta acquired today, you have Jorge Soler, who is a two month tryout lottery ticket. And we haven't talked about Eddie Rosario at length, but Eddie Rosario, I think, is more of a buy low. Um, oh yeah, kind of bench and, and filler. Speaking right? of price on that one, that that price was absolutely zero. Essentially, all due respect to Pablo Sandoval, the price yes. for Eddie Rosario was like literally nothing because they were probably going to never probably going to release Sandoval at some point. So right, I mean, yeah. honestly, somebody brought this up earlier that that trade of Eddie Rosario for Pablo Sandoval with even money swap was effectively a move by Anthopolis in the front office. And if this is true, it's pretty smart, I think. It was a way to get rid of Pablo Sandoval without tearing up the clubhouse a little bit. Versus without the outright him. release. Yeah. Yep, without just flat out releasing him. He's a veteran. He's very well liked and respected. And maybe that's tinfoil hat on all of our parts. But I, I do think that that honestly might have been the case. Um, but again, Soler is a two-month lottery ticket. Rosario is a bench bench depth fifth outfielder probably at this point. I'd be surprised if he really uh, plays too much these next two months. He really hasn't been nearly as good as he was a few years ago. With he's, he's also hurt, by the way, right now. He, he's actively hurt he is. today. Yeah, he's, he's not going to be back for a couple of weeks. You know what you're getting with Adam Duvall. You can put Adam Duvall out there every night. And as you said, he, he may not be a superstar. And, and that's never been Adam Duvall's uh, career path or what have you. But he's going to hit for power. He's going to put together a good at bat. The defense has always been underrated and very good. And the Braves know him. And to add him into the middle of the order, I would imagine of these three guys, I mean, honestly, I think Duvall will probably play more than Soler and Rosario combined. Um, and and it, because it's for Alex Jackson and, Braves are fortunate they have William Contreras and Shea Langoliers in the minors already um, for the cost and the opportunity to keep him around next year for an extra $4 million. I, I get why they made the trade, and I think it's one that will will certainly help over these next couple months. Yep, that's uh, that's well said. And uh, ironically, he was in the lineup today. Like He got traded at, like I don't know, yeah. two, 2 in the afternoon and was in the lineup tonight. So the familiarity factor is pretty significant there. And with Snicker, you cannot overstate that. Like he, he knows Adam Duvall and that's going to matter on some level. Um, whether it should or not is up for debate, I guess, but it's going to matter. And I think he'll play a lot. Um, Solaire we'll see. And Rosario, we'll go through a, a little bit more than we just did, but 
Um, a guy who was legitimately pretty good for four years from 2017 through 2020, had a 111 WRC plus and slugged almost 500. Man, it's pretty crazy. Like all three of these guys are power, are power guys. That is their calling card, yeah. all three yeah. of them. And, you know, Rosario was a pretty good batting average guy that never walked. Whereas the other two guys and Duvall and Soler were low batting average guys that walked, but they're really their claim to fame. All three of them really is their power, which is very interesting for the Braves. They haven't had a lot of that. I mean, I know Riley is like that. Uh, at least until recently when he became Brooks Robinson again, but um, it's interesting. Like they're all just kind of, they're not too similar, but that they had that similar carrying trait of their power. And Rosario is a, is a flyer yeah. for nothing. I mean, again, I, I don't want to pile on Pablo, but we talked about this last, I think you and I a few days ago, like he was like one of his last 30 and it just was not going to work anymore. And Rosario has been pretty bad this year, but a a year ago was okay. By the way, he cannot play defense. That's the thing about Rosario. Um, Rosario and Soler, but in particular Rosario, his defensive numbers are uh, quite ugly. So maybe he's your, maybe he's your uh, bench bat option. And Soler plays a little bit more as a starter. I would guess just by their profile. And that's, Assuming Rosario gets healthy, because I think they projected what a couple weeks more that he's going to be out for yeah. a while, and well, yeah, and he'll need a minor league stint and, and all. Yeah, so yeah. that 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 might just, I mean Rosario could just be nothing. That's definitely in play. Um, I think they will give him a chance at some point because there is something in there. He was again a pretty good player for a few years, but mm-hmm. I would I would place him third on the pecking order of guys who are likely to be relevant of the three. Yeah, as as we've just said, it's basically. Like Solaire, it's a two-month tryout. Maybe he taps into something. He obviously was a very, uh, you know, he had he had three years in 2017. He had 27 homers. 2018, he had 24 homers. 2019, though that was the year where the baseballs were basically golf balls. But he had 32 home runs and 109 RBIs. Um, he was somebody who put the ball in play a lot. He has low walk and low walk rates and, and actually pretty low strikeout rates too, for a guy who hits as many homers as he does. Uh, but yes, he, he has clearly taken a, a decline in the last couple of years. And even if the Braves only have him for six weeks, by the time he gets healthy, if he's your fourth or fifth outfielder and, and a left-handed one at that, I'm sure they will try to work him in whenever they can. But I, I think of these three guys, he will play the least and, um, it, it was just a weird trade when it came across. I was like, huh? <laughs> well, it's, it's just, really? one of those, you, you don't usually see the, um, the veteran for veteran trade like that. Like it's usually like, you always see a prospect in there. Even if it's a throwaway prospect, you don't often see like an old guy, an older guy who is injured yeah. traded for a very old guy who is bad. You know, it's just a very strange trade all the way around. <laughs> I honestly wonder a little bit if, Cleveland was going to cut Rosario as well. Maybe. And I mean, they, they, they cut, those... I mean, they cut, they cut Pablo immediately. I mean, Pablo was cut by the yeah. end of the day today. So it obviously isn't a value play for the, for Cleveland. I almost said the Indians. That's not, that's not their name anymore. Um, but it's not, it's not a value play for them. They, they clearly wanted to just dump Rosario cause they cut Pablo immediately. So yeah, it might've been <laughs> that situation. It might've been those two guys understanding that they're both going to cut these guys. Why don't we just swap them? And if you want to hold on to the other guy, you can do it if you want to. I don't know. That yeah. seems simplistic. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it was weird. I was glad that that was obviously like it was. It was weird how the trades were announced today because within like three minutes, Rosario was announced, and then the Adam Duvall trade was announced. I actually thought I Duvall was a joke because I was on my phone and I seen the Rosario trade, and then I somebody replied to me and they were like, "But what about Adam Duvall?" And I thought it was a joke. Like I, I hadn't seen the trade, you know, and because, you know, yeah. our brand is pretty strong and people know that we appreciate Adam Duvall's work. I just thought somebody was just like kind of joking around about Adam Duvall, like being available. And he, he had come up earlier in the week as well with that Craig Mish report. And I'm thinking, haha, Adam Duvall. And then I realized, oh, wait, they actually just announced Adam Duvall is coming too. Uh, so it was just a weird sequence of events, as you said. Yeah, it, it was a crazy afternoon and and. For for whatever reason, they decided they wanted to swap Eddie Rosario and Pablo Sandoval. We'll, we'll probably never know. Who knows? Maybe if, if Eddie ever does make it to the Braves' 26-man roster and gives them a couple good games, hey, that's a win because, frankly, I, I think Pablo's days were probably numbered, if not overall together. But Yeah. Uh, Sorry, it, it was an It was an interesting group. I had a friend text me. He said, are the Braves going to play like five outfielders every night? Because... Suddenly, and, and not that any of them are necessarily great players by any means, but you have Jock and you have 
uh, Duvall and you have Heredia and you have Almonte and, and you Soler. have Rosario. And so Soler yeah, they, they have and, they have five they have five guys, not including Adrianza right now. So they have five and a half if you want to count Adrianza as an outfield option because he's he has played some outfield. And then if Rosario ever does come back, then you have six and a half. Um, and you know Bowman. Uh, who, by the way, tagged you in a pretty hilarious way on Twitter tonight. That was that's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, on top of that, uh, Bowman tweeted, and I th- you know he's probably informed. Um, the Braves haven't decided how they're going to use the outfielders yet, but he said that Duvall and Soler will quote definitely be used against left-handed pitching. So you figure that's two guys in the outfield against lefties, and the question then becomes: Do you play Peterson with them in center against the lefty? I probably wouldn't do that because I don't really buy Peterson against lefties. I know he's been a little bit better this year, um, but he usually has a, pl- a pretty big platoon split, and then defensively it's a bit of an adventure in center field, you'd imagine. Um, but that's an option, or you go with one of the other guys that are the incumbents. And then against righties, you P- Peterson definitely plays, clearly, and then you figure out what you do around him. So they have some flexibility. It's just uh, it might be a little bit of experiment experimenting from Snicker, which is always an adventure. We'll say, but he has yeah. he has some leeway here to make some lineup decisions, and um, very few guys in the lineup are going to be in there every day. I mean, I, I tend to think that based on how he's used Peterson so far, he might just keep rolling him out there, leading leading off every night. That might just happen. Yeah. Um, but if so it doesn't, too. there is some nuance there. I, I think so, and there are obviously some options here, and maybe it is the old who the hot hand who's swinging at the best and. Um, it is interesting. I want to I wanted to point this out. Of course, Kristen Pache did not have a great start to this year in the minor leagues now, and Drew Waters got off to a, a not great start in Gwinnett, but has picked it up a bit over the last month or month or two. But I, I do think it was worth mentioning that adding these three outfielders today are, is probably a sign that those those two prospects are going to stay in the minors at least for most of the year. Maybe they call them up in September. Yeah, September you um, will see them. But yeah, I I totally that's a good point that I, I hadn't thought about actually is that it doesn't like slam the door on them before September. No. But I would be pretty surprised now, barring injuries, if they called up either one of them until the roster expands. Yeah, and that's honestly for the best. I, I think it was clear that Pache was just not ready for an everyday role. Him really not getting any season in 2020 hurt, and the same thing for Drew Waters. It was going to be an important year for his development either way. And um, Yeah, I, I, I that thought popped in my head as we were talking, and I wanted to at least mention it because I think that is, uh, unless they get to the last couple of weeks of September, if if the division is out of reach, I would imagine those guys will spend, if not the entire season in Gwinnett, they will spend most of it down there. That sounds right to me. Um, before we get out of here, we should talk about the rest of the deadline, at least the stuff that is like kind of relevant to the Braves, because it was very busy uh, across baseball. There were some headline-making moves, um, kind of a lot of them. It was pretty much a frenzy uh, yeah. in, in, a, <laughs> in a way that... I didn't fully appreciate because I am remote this week and not able to like kind of all the way dial in, but it was pretty chaotic. And the Braves, even before they made the move that they made, they were tied at least tangentially to both Craig Kimbrell and Joey Gallo. Uh, they were reported as a finalist for Gallo. I'm not sure how close that actually got. I have, we'll, we'll probably never know. And then Kimbrell was tied to the Braves at least briefly. That uh, was a weird deal. The Kimbrell deal to the White Sox they gave, up, they gave up Madrigal for, like, a half season of Kimbrel. That was a pretty interesting transaction. Uh, lots, of, yeah. lots of those kind of things. Um, anything you wanted to get to that was non-NL East related? Because we'll finish with the NL East yeah. because there's a lot of chaos there, too. But anything else that you want to touch on across baseball that you thought was interesting? It You know, as we have talked on this in recent weeks, the appeal of, of Gallo and Kimbrel is because they were signed – beyond this year right so you have another year of control next year when you presumably have Acuna healthy and you're going to have a real chance I'm, I'm not saying they don't have a chance at the world series this year but as of uh, as of recording this they're two games below 500 still so it, it doesn't it didn't make a lot of sense to push a bunch of chips in for a short-term rental um, I, I could not believe that the Cubs got Madrigal for for Craig Kimbrell, even if Madrigal is is the opposite of a modern day power and strikeouts type player. Uh, that is a huge haul for for the Cubbies to get. Um, and then 
I think you and I have both really appreciate Joey Gallo and his power into the chop house would have been a lot of fun to see, but the Yankees gave up a, a decent prospect haul of four players. I, I certainly think the Braves could have beaten it if they wanted to, but ultimately they, they passed on those two and, um, yeah, though either one would have been certainly a welcome addition this year. We have to f- finish the Braves uh, trade section by just mentioning uh, the note that you put in our uh, in our document about how uh, Travis Darno and Lascari Noah are like making a trade without making a trade <laughs> because that is that is going to be said in the near future uh, if it hasn't already been said quite a bit. I was not um, dialed in today, but you can bet that when Darno is back, and by the way, he's on his re- rehab assignment, I believe, what, like now or maybe the next day or two. Yeah. Um, if that uh, has not already been said, it will be it will, it will be uttered in the future. I can promise you. It is. And you know what? Honestly, we laugh at it. Oh, it's like making a trade without making a trade. But uh, the upgrade from Travis Darno over yeah, Kevin Smith it is, is, true. is like actually an upgrade. Um, and then, you know, we'll see what kind of level Waskar can get back to after not making for three months. I, I do – this is going to sound me. It's, it's really not. I'm not. This is not a shot at Enoa at all. I have found it interesting um, and kind of amusing that some of the way that he, that Enoa has been referred to as like he was like John Smoltz is coming back. Like it's it's really been kind of wild to see some of the tweets that I've seen from like people on the broadcast and that kind of stuff. Like Enoa yeah. was good before he got aired. Like don't get me wrong, he was pitching well. Sure, but acting like they're going to get you know, you know, prime Mike Soroka back with Enoa is not. I don't think you can really project that. Maybe he's going to be good. I, I don't know. But I, I've just I, a couple times I've kind of found myself like squinting. Like it's still a guy who was like very very unproven. Like he's a talented guy, but he has been out for three months and he doesn't have a huge track record. Like I, I just think it's been banked. Yeah. Like Darno, I get it because like you just said, like they, even if you thought Darno was going to take a step back this year, as we kind of did. Him versus what they've had so far is like a massive upgrade. With Enoa, like yeah. he may not even be in in the rotation. Like there's there's not there's not even a lock that he's in the rotation when he comes back. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not crazy. I'm not, I mean, with the way that Smiley's pitching and Morton, like they they have the arms to where they may not. I guess Tuki was bad tonight. Sorry, Tuki. Um, mm, I'm sorry. Uh, but honestly, like before that. I would have maybe argued that like, are you sure you want to put, you know, in the rotation? Cause it was like, the rotation has <laughs> been really good for like a month and a half. I don't yeah. Know. I think these things tend to work themselves oh, out. Yeah. I'm not I worried about it. You, <laughs> to be fair. For sure. No, 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 for sure. And you see how we know looks in his rehab starts and, um, the, the rotation has surprisingly, despite all of the things and all of the roadblocks that have appeared, the rotation has been the one constant this entire season. Um, yeah, it, it never hurts to get Enoa back. And hey, if you can get him another month and a half of starts and to get a better idea of what kind of pitcher you may have going forward, he's he's still only 23. He's a young guy, even though he's he's bounced around a little bit the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, it, I agree with you. I think people are just locking in that he is going to be this massive improvement. And hey, maybe he will come back like he hasn't missed three months and, and without skipping a beat. But I do think you have to pump the brakes a little bit and know that he has not pitched since May and, and realize that there may be a little bit of rust that he needs to work through. And maybe they will have him throwing long relief in the bullpen or, or something like that just to get his feet under him after he comes back from his rehab assignment. But, hey, I'll take it. If it means that we get Enoa instead of Shane Green giving up a home run every <laughs> night or Sean Newcomb yeah. not able to throw strikes <laughs> with any kind of consistency it, it's certainly an upgrade in that regard yeah he's got a great arm make, make no make, make no mistake he has a great arm that is going to be intriguing if he can be healthy and come back um last thing on the pitching i'll, I'll look at where we're talking the braves are number 11 in the majors in starter era this year at 3.94 mm. and that was after kind of yeah. a kind of a rough start like they've been pretty darn good uh, I guess yeah. it'll go up a little bit to get, because of Tukey's start today. This is still from yesterday. But um, still, like a sub-4 ERA for the starters, given that Soroka's out for the season, and that Smiley, the way that he started, and the injuries, like that's still pretty solid. Um, and you can't really complain about that. Like that's If you told me that before the season and just said, all right, this is the Braves' ERA, and Soroka does not, does not throw a pitch, you got to take it, I think. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, no, the, the rotation's been good. Uh, you know, for for the most part, obviously there's been there have been some moments of, for sure. Yeah, but, yes, but overall, overall, I think 
telling us no Soroka and Freed has not been nearly as good as he was last year. And yeah, we could talk about that forever, but um, yeah, it, it's been a pleasant surprise, I guess is how I would call it. Yeah. Uh, Max Freed's ERA is higher than the starters ERA for the Braves, which is not what Ooh. you'd expect. No, um, no, not Max like it's way higher, like a but a little bit off. Yeah. He's yeah, not no. been like terrible or anything, <laughs> yeah. but uh, if yeah. you, if I, if I given you uh the option to, to take the over or the under. And I, and I said, okay, on July 30th, um, you could have Max Freed's ERA or the entire combined Atlanta Braves starting rotation ERA. Which one would you choose? Oh. And everyone takes Max Freed. <laughs> and they Easy lose. choice. Yeah. And they lose. Yeah. So uh, anyway, we'll move on from there. Uh, before we get out of here, the NL East was very active, and that, of course, plays into the Braves. By the way, they, they did lose tonight, so the Braves are now four games back of the Mets and a half game back of the Phillies as of Friday evening. Um, basically with July coming to an end. But it was a uh, there was some overhaul in the National League East. One team uh kind of just took it completely down to the to the studs. Uh the Nationals elected to uh totally tear it down. So they're probably out of it at yeah. this point and it becomes Mets and Phillies. Um thoughts on the, all the I mean the Mets bought mm. it pretty aggressively too. So uh, what do you where, where, yeah. where where's your head at with this race now? Yeah, yeah, I was a little concerned that if the Mets just went crazy and and just added a big like I know they were linked to Max Scherzer a couple days ago. There was a and, uh, there was a Josh Donaldson rumor with them. Did you yeah. see that that happened today? It was like Donaldson and Maeda maybe was like on the table. I think for the so. Mets. And it was going to be a, a pure salary dump and. Yes, you have them connected to those guys. You have them connected to Max Scherzer. You have them connected to Chris Bryant, who of course is having a great year. They got Javi Baez, and I think to the casual fan, Baez is probably a little overrated in name recognition. I looked it up. He has a 92 WRC plus over his last 1,000 plate appearances, um, which is Would you never, average. ever, ever walk, like ever? That's uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he has a 4% walk rate over his last 1,000 plate appearances. Um, you know, a 225 average, not that average is the end all be all, but a 225 average and his, op- <laughs> his on base is like 280. Yeah. If you, if you, um, ne- if you never, uh, walk and you hit 225, that combination doesn't work. Like if you're Joey Gallo and you walk 15% of the time, you can have a low batting average, right. but you know, no, honestly, if you want like a, a 10 minute, just like boredom thing, go through Javi Baez's fan graphs page. It is one of the weirdest mm, profiles yeah particularly for like a guy who's played middle infield at times. Like he has the weirdest profile. I mean, his power is real, but man, it is a bizarre yeah. thing. And he's a fun player. He certainly plays with electricity and um, him and, and Lindor, who is going to be out for another month or so are really good friends. And uh, again, it's not like the Mets didn't add anybody, but I think Baez is probably a little overrated. And they also added Trevor Williams, who was like a fifth starter type. Um, though it is also worth mentioning that uh, Jacob deGrom, unfortunately, has some more forearm tightness. He is being shut down for at least two more weeks. And it's, I mean, I, I don't know, man. If you're the Mets, you have to be so careful with deGrom and his elbow. Um, but it seems like they will be without him for a while. You know, the Phillies, uh, they got Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy. I think they also added Freddie Galvis. Uh, again, I, Ian Kennedy is was connected loosely to the Braves. He will help out the back end of the Phillies bullpen, which has been atrocious yet again. Kyle Gibson is a is a fourth starter. I believe he actually went to the All Star game for the Rangers, uh, but he's a you know he he is a he's a solid middle of the rotation guy, but not an ace by any means. Um, and then yeah, the uh, Washington Nationals to trade Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers. Uh, Kyle Schwarber is gone to Boston. Daniel Hudson is gone to San Diego. Um, St- Steven Strasburg has a pretty serious sounding medical condition that he's having surgery for and is done for 2021. And so I, I saw someone, I forget who it was, said that his career might honestly be in jeopardy, which is very scary for a guy who's only 31 years old. Um, so I, I guess good on the Nationals for getting ahead of this. They, they did acquire some nice pieces in those trades. Um, and then the Marlins, of course, traded Starling Marte, Adam Duvall. I think a couple of their relievers also got moved. Uh, so this really will be a three-team race down the stretch with the Mets, the Phillies, and the Braves. Yeah, and the Braves have by far the best run, run differential in the league. Like how much that matters is like up to the eye of the beholder, I guess. But they're four back, and it's not even close to run differential. Um, the Braves are better now than they've been in a while. Uh, I still think that. 
um, the Braves without Ronald Acuna. And you, you cannot overstate the absence of Ronald Acuna. But if the Mets don't have Jacob deGrom, that kind of does uh, zero out a little bit because deGrom was out of his mind. So maybe that levels the playing field a little bit. If he's out, obviously you want to root for the guy to be healthy. I'm not, I'm not rooting against him being healthy. I, I want to make it very clear. But if he's out, that does um, help the Braves in their pursuit. You know, four back, though, as the calendar flips to August, basically, you know, about uh, you know, almost a day from now as we're talking, you're still the under, you're still the underdog. Even with even with these moves, the Mets have the four game lead, and even if you believe that the Braves are better than the Mets are right now, which I'm not even sure that I do believe without Acuna, even if you thought that four games is not nothing with two months to go. So the Braves are still an underdog. Uh, I guess I feel much better about their chances to win the division today than I did a couple of days ago for a number sure. of reasons. Um, but the Mets did buy too. It's not like they didn't do anything. Um, mm-hmm. Baez is still better than what they had. Like even if you don't think the guy's great. He is sure. a good player, um, and Williams is interesting too. So, I mean, the projections are kind of in that same range that they've been in for the most part. Like I looked at five thirty eight as we were talking, and the and which updates in real time, and the Braves are up to twenty five percent to make the playoffs. Does that sound low to you, or does that sound right to you? No, uh, it it might be a hair low, just because we know. I mean. Think about it, Brad. We're in the end of July, and they're four games back. How many games have they let get away from them this year? Uh, a right? lot, a like, lot of games. A lot of games. You said you mentioned the run differential, which is not <laughs> at the end of the day. It doesn't mean anything, but it is an indication of how good a team is. Of course, you can inflate those numbers with one or two blowouts, with which they have certainly had. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess if if you made me put my life savings on it, would the Braves win the division or would they not? I hate to say it, I'd probably lean towards they wouldn't just because the losses of Acuna and Ozuna and Soroka and, and all those types. I mean, you have to. I, not, not to. I know yeah. people don't like when we do this, but uh, if you're being honest with yourself, picking the Braves to win the division right now is not the smart bet. Can they win it? Yes. Absolutely they can. Yep. But they're, still, they're four games back with two months to go. I mean, this is a team that's still 51-53 and 53 for the season. It's a miracle that they're in the race. I yeah, mean, it really is. It really is. Like the the Mets have not been in any great shakes. The Mets have been outscored this season, hmm. uh, but they're they're six games over five hundred. But they've not been in any great shake. If the Braves were in a different division, I mean, I know we said this point before, but we're now at the end of July, yeah. and the Braves. I'm looking this up as we talk. The Braves are right now. Uh, they would be fourteen games out in the National League West. Yep. They'd be 11 games out in the National League Central. Um, and I believe they're like eight and a half out of the wild card right now. Out of the second wild card, they're eight and a half yeah, games out. With with five teams or four teams ahead of them. So yeah. they, they are honestly quite lucky to be in the race. Yep. Um, and they absolutely can make a run here. They are better than they were, as we just said a number of times. The Mets have questions without, without DeGrom, so they can certainly make their run here. But if you think it's 40%, I, I, don't, think, I don't think that's crazy, but... I know people just don't like it to hear it, but I, I can't pick them to win the division right now. I mean, yeah. if they if they go out and go you know five and two of their ne- and their next seven, and they finally get over five hundred and they're feeling good, like maybe it's a little bit closer. But with a loss tonight, it's still four games, and four games matters. It just it just does. Yeah. Like I'm not sure how much better you would need to think the Braves are than the Mets to pick the Braves right now, but that's not where the gap is on paper. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, maybe. I'm going to say maybe. Hopefully these these four guys can uh, that they added today will give them some kind of a boost. And yeah. uh, as, we, as we've said, this is a much better roster today than it was 24 hours ago. There's more depth. I think there's a real lack of power in this batting order right now after the top four or five. Um, again, not that Adam Duvall or Jorge Soler or Eddie Rosario are Mike Trout. Oh, but, oh, oh, they are, sir. They, uh, Adam Duvall is Mike Trout. Don't forget. Don't you forget it? It was a telling sign the other night that it was one. Of, it was one of the losses to the Mets. It was the night where they got thrown out at home plate. Oh God! And in the ninth inning, it was up to Guillermo Heredia, <laughs> Abraham Almonte, and Kevin Smith, who was ultimately pinched hit for. But oh. if I told you that like in March that the Braves would have a pivotal game with the Mets. And in the ninth inning, it would be Guillermo Heredia, Abraham Almonte and Kevin Smith. 
Like, <laughs> no, like I, some of the lineups, honestly, some of the, like the five through eights this year have been uh, like laugh out loud funny, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, to be positive, I would say credit to the Braves for being in the race. Like they, they've had some maddening losses and all of the health issues that they've had, you know, losing Ronnie, Darno, the Ozuna craziness that's still, you know, there was an update on that this week that we were not going to get into, but that's, that's, that's still like still just all, all just disturbing. The fact that they're in the race at all um, mm-hmm. is a, is a pretty impressive thing uh, yeah. given all the madness that's gone on. So uh, I feel good. I think they have a better chance today. Um, not only because they're better, just because of what they did in the last week or so. Like we didn't do a whole lot of the results. And uh, by the way, shouts to Sean Coleman for the Daily Hammer, who's been updating people daily on the scenarios. And Sean's doing yeah. a great job with that show. Um, in fact, Scott and I were gonna we're gonna do it last night together for the first time, and we ended up postponing until today. So because Sean's the man, <laughs> it's um, a good thing that we uh, that we held off. Yeah, we were gonna. Today. That would have been a yeah. funny show. Um, but regardless. We didn't do a lot of results, but they, they've done what they needed to do. I mean, obviously today, notwithstanding they lost today, but they've been able to hang around here. They took three out of three out of five from the Mets. That was helpful. They didn't make their big run, and eventually they're going to have to. I mean, we, we, we've said it every week for now for like probably six weeks in a row. Eventually <laughs> they're going to have to go on a winning streak, and they just yes. refuse to do it. Um, I mean, the stat is hilarious, Scott. They've literally alternated wins and losses the entire yes. post-break, basically. I believe that's the still the case. Post break. Yep. Yeah, I'm looking it up now to make sure I'm not crazy. Because uh, they won I yesterday, so it is it is still alive. Yes. Yeah, they have literally gone loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win the entire mm-hmm. way until today. Um, and it, it could have changed on the suspended game because um, they actually oh, were, yeah. they were leading that game. And then they won the next day, so they actually would have won two in a row, quote unquote, if they would have held that held on to win. But that game got suspended, so it is crazy that they are five hundred since the All Star break, because it feels like they're better than that. But that's been enough to make up ground, as crazy as that mm-hmm. is, because the Mets yeah. are not playing well right now. So <laughs> it's like watching a basketball game, and the team that you're rooting for keeps getting wide open three point shots, and they can't hit them. And it's just night after night with the Braves. <laughs> they just they just have these opportunities. They had them in this loss tonight on Friday night to the Brewers. They go up four nothing. It felt like all the stars were finally aligning. They have some good mojo after the deadline, and the Brewers score eight runs unanswered. And then, of course, in the in the later innings, the Braves had two on and nobody out in I think back to back innings. And one of the innings ended three pitches later and one of the innings ended five pitches later. <laughs> and it's like at some point it's you so got to hit your open three pointers, they right? Just, they can't do it. No, it's, and it's at wild. some point the clock is going to hit zero. And, and thankfully there's still two months here and, and four games, especially with a couple series left with the Phillies and one left with the Mets. It is not insurmountable by any means, but oh yeah, yeah man. At some point, you got to hit some of these wide open threes, and, and they just haven't been able to do it. Yeah, the schedule's pretty interesting the rest of the way. We will obviously go through this later on more, but they play Colorado for two different series, and Colorado's dreadful. Um, and they play Baltimore, and they play nine more against the Nationals, and the Nationals have just torn things upside down. So they have some opportunities. Now, on the flip side, they also play the Giants and the Dodgers and the Yankees. Um, the Giants again, the Padres later late in the year on the road. So they have some challenges too, but for sure, it's interesting. Uh, we'll definitely see what happens uh, in the near future. They have the two, these, these two against Milwaukee Saturday and Sunday that uh, we will not recap probably directly because um, I, I doubt we come back with another full a full on talking shot podcast on Sunday, on Sunday night. My apologies, but there's lots of content happening with between the Daily Hammer and Road to Atlanta, etc. Um, but then they get into a day off Monday and then at St. Louis for three and home for Washington. Um, yeah. So eight games. Um, yeah, just for once in their life, maybe 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 go six and two over an eight-game stretch. But <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? I got to look it up. I wonder if they've had a stretch of six and two this entire year. I would Probably early on. Maybe, but... yeah, maybe when they got down um, yeah. pretty but bad then they... early. But yeah, but then they followed it with four losses in a row. And well, were like, right, they, they yeah. still yeah. Uh, they won five out of seven. I'm looking at this now. This is great radio. They won five out of seven, and they won five <laughs> out of six, but never six games uh, up like that. There we go. You heard it here first. So, when they go uh, six, 
everyone think, Brad? I mean, it's unbelievable that we are at the end of July. This team is like fairly competent, and they have not been above 500 <laughs> the entire season still. Yep. Oh, uh, what a season, Scott. Okay, that's, that's, that's <laughs> enough for today on, on episode 299. Um, if you have anything else to plug, Scott, I don't know if you've been writing or anything. I know we have tons and tons yeah. of content on the site. It's been very, very busy in addition to this podcast feed, but if you have anything to plug, Scott, feel free. Yeah, be sure to check out the site. Uh, the, the Talking Chop team uh, was very busy today. They have full reaction to all four of the trades. Um, Chris Willis, our site leader, put together some some quotes that Alex Anthopoulos uh, discussed after a, a busy day and um, and all the other usual good stuff with the minor leagues in full swing. So be sure to check out the site. and Good to be on with you, Brad. I hope you're able to uh, get some sleep wherever you are in the middle of nowhere in, in Texas. And uh, hopefully, hopefully better days on the horizon for this team. Yeah, we will uh, We will see. Uh, again, as for the podcast feed, we now have three shows on the same feed. It is the Talking Chop Podcast, the original founding show. Episodes, uh, you know, we're into the almost 300 range at this point in time. And then Road to Atlanta on the same feed with Eric and the Prospect Guys. That's a fantastic listen. I learn from that show every time that it is on. And the Daily Hammer, which is primarily Sean, but you'll also probably hear me or Scott or Eric at some point along the way whenever we stop making Sean do every single day of the week. Because Sean has uh, been a hero so far. But please subscribe to the podcast. It'd be huge if you were going to do that for us. And uh, tell your friends. Leave five-star feedback and ratings and reviews and all of that fun stuff. And uh, my thanks to Scott once again. And we'll see everybody next time. Thank you.